And then he points out, it's like, it's funny that if you think the person that's arresting you is God, you don't get arrested. Uh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, because if he's saying like, if you're like, oh yeah, I'm Jesus, but then you also think the person that might be arresting you is Jesus too, you're probably not going to get yourself in a situation where you're going to get arrested. But when you go, mm-hmm. I'm Jesus and you don't understand, now you get arrested. Right. Because you're fighting the grain. Yeah. Okay. And I think that almost comes back to like the dog of the ego of like, you can let it off the leash Mm -hmm. as long as that dog doesn't think it's hot shit, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's almost another level where it's like you gave the dog a bunch of mushrooms and now it's standing on two legs and it's walking around telling other is's that it's an (laughs) is. And you're like, this is not okay. Yeah. Good day. Welcome to Smooth Brain. (laughs) It's the Smooth Brain podcast and we talk about smooth brain things. It's like the meta. There's so many different variations of how I've tried to describe this to other people because our bio right now is discussing the underpinnings of reality. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like pretty good. Is it almost also sort of just discussing the underpinnings of your consciousness, which at the same time is reality? Yeah, because like we talk about, like your consciousness is how you perceive reality. So I guess so. Yeah. And like what you want to talk about later is is turning like the little lens inward, you know, like yeah. looking inward. If I look in at me, I'm probably looking in at you guys too. Definitely. And I don't think we really know much about reality. I'm like, reality is a pretty loaded word. But what we can know about is what's going on in there if we do turn the lens in on ourselves because we're like experiencing it. We are it. I have to say though, it is easy to like shoot the shit about like sports and external things where I'm like from an outside, from like an outsider's perspective, like I could talk about the NFL all day. Mm Mm-hmm. But if someone from the NFL listened to me talk, they'd be like, man, fuck you. Like, yeah. like, what are you doing? So I guess like the one thing you can truly be a professional on is yourself. Yeah. Mm. And even if you're bad at being a pro- like, even if you're, you know, like the last draft pick in terms of being a professional in regard to yourself, like you still have a lot of valuable insight. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's got their own little personal things. Like you can't really be that bad at it. Cause even if you're bad at it, talking about it, it's going to make you a lot better and gonna make other people be like, Oh, probably didn't think about that. Yeah. And I think if you're not good at looking inwards, there's still some part of you that no one else, but you can describe. I also think there's like levels. And if you're at level 40, it's sometimes refreshing to see someone at level three. Cause you've forgotten what it's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You so kind of get all upset. You're like, ah, Cause the whole game is like, you figure out you don't know yourself at all after a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's Ouroboros eating away and it's like a rebirth, but like we're all in the same little cycle, I guess. Yeah. All the same snake. So it's fun to see someone at a different part of the snake and be like, Oh yeah, I was there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like nostalgic a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you can, you feel, sometimes I get caught up though. I'm trying to like, I want to give that person advice. Then I'm like, when I'm that person and someone's trying to give me advice, very often I'm like, ah, I'm just doing my thing, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, that's like kind of what this part of the book gets at is that they're like, well, you almost don't need to give people any advice. Mm-hmm. Like if you just work on yourself, then that's all, that's all you can really be doing. So what's the name of this book? Uh, remember, be here now. Remember, be here now by, by Ram Dass. Ram Dass. Baba Who's Ram Dass. Babo, Babo Ram Dass? Baba Ram Dass. Who's Babo Ram Dass, dude? Uh, I actually don't know, and it doesn't explain in this book where he gets his name or how he really gets his name. It's definitely a name he picked up when he was like in India, kind of doing the yogi lifestyle. But he started out as a Harvard psychologist. Sick. Okay. Dr. 
oh man, I don't want to mess his name up, but I believe it's Dr. Rupert Albert was his original name. Kind of sick name, okay. So yeah, fancy. just like a classic. Like, there's no way you were named this. Uh, Doctor Richard Albert. Richard. Apologies, oh, Baba yeah. Ramdas, for getting your name wrong. Way more British now. Well, yeah, a little more British. So okay, this is what like people change their names after they get enlightened. Is that how it works? I think he was given this name. I was gonna say. Yeah. Oh, that's even sicker though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because if you change your own name, you will goof ass. <laughs> yeah. Sure. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, they, I think it's basically given to him to be like, forget your past life. Like you have so much ego attached to that past life. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to go down this path, like now you're, now you're this. What a beautiful like opportunity to be presented. Mm-hmm. That's what's part of the, this book. I really highly recommend to people. And it's like, it, it's, it's one of the best spiritual books I've ever read for sure. Cause it, it explains that whole journey mm-hmm. of like how he stumbled into this crazy lifestyle change. But he was like hanging out in India with his, all of his like kind of co- like collegiate buddies, yeah. you know, uh, from Harvard and from like the other Ivy leagues. Mm-hmm. And they were hanging out in sort of like a yogi bar situation. A or, yogi bar. Yeah. Okay. Just where like a bunch <laughs> of these people were. Yeah. And he was always kind of trying to talk to people and figure out like, Oh, who, who here like really knows because he sort of knew he knew the essence of what was going on, but he still felt like he sort of had no idea what was actually happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he met somebody who walked in and just sat at their table without saying anything. And he was like, this dude knows. This guy knows this stuff. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then kind of just ended up following this dude. And then everywhere this guy went, like every all the villages would like kind of run to him and like, you know, they're like giving him food and giving him stuff. And like he's like kind of a holy being in that part of India, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess was down to like a marking on his head or something. It wasn't just a vibe. It was like a known like, oh, mm-hmm. you're, you've made it to this level of, of whatever your journey is. Yeah. Um, but it was a really cool. It was a really cool story to read about. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Uh, but the part that I wanted to read that was about what we were bringing up there of like, you might as well just work on yourself and yeah. give an advice is like good. Cause you're supposed to teach people about this stuff as like kind of part of the journey. Yeah. Uh, but you teach people about the stuff by talking about your own experience. You don't teach people about the stuff by telling people do this, but he's talking about uh, the concept of Sadhana, which I don't a hundred percent know what that means other than I, it seems like it's basically uh, like chilling out your ego like just trying to disconnect and be more of an observer to your experience than being like the, the standard ego that you're used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, the, this, this page goes, Sadhana, you've got to be quiet inside to do that kind of photography. It's very easy to photograph inanimate objects like other people, but turn the lens right in on the very stuff you're hiding in. Shoot the camera this way. Very powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. So all I can do all the time is to cool myself out. That's all I'm doing. I do nothing but sadhana. If somebody says, what do you do, man? I say, I do sadhana. Sure, but don't you lecture? Sure, lecturing happens, but I'm doing my sadhana. This trip is helping me get free of my ego because if I get free of my ego, we all get free of our ego because that's the way the trip works because we're all the same being and that's the problem. We can only move as fast as we all can move. You hear this message only as purely as I am pure. That's the way it boils down. I can resonate with you in the highest place I am, so I can do nothing for you but work on myself. You can do nothing for me but work on yourself. That's deep, dude. Bars. (laughs) Bars. Bars. 
it's almost like a team mentality, you know, because mm-hmm. when you're part of a team, a big part, the thing, big thing you want to do is you got to work on your own game, you know? Yeah. And that's the biggest part to contribute. Yeah. I think a team's a great way to think about it. Cause he's basically saying like, look, we're all, the, the whole reason all of us are here is to try to get rid of our ego and sort of overcome our own karma and karma just being your own mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's no way. And, and we, we know from firsthand experience how difficult it is to get rid of our mind. So there's no way we're going to be able to get rid of somebody else's mind karma for them. So you yeah. might as well just do it for yourself. And if you can get rid of your loop of karma, you're taking like that little bit of karma out. And then if you are willing to like sort of share, you know, your experience, then other people can kind of latch onto that and go, wow, okay, maybe I can do this too. Yeah. I'm definitely not a professional, but like a lot of times in my life, I've had to like cool down my ego and become mm-hmm. an observer. And I think in a lot of ways that cools down my image of other people. Mm-hmm. Like I try to view like the other side to like why someone was like, was a dick to me in the grocery store or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, is when you give that sort of thing a perspective, the world does seem a lot less evil and a lot less ego driven. Well, cause I think if you can take a step back and look at something, you know, not through your ego and it's the same thing that sort of happens if you're like doing mushrooms or something that part of your perspective just is way more comfortable looking at any situation without all the judgment. Yeah. Um, like it, it was another piece of this book because he does kind of talk about Jesus a lot in it, mm-hmm. like outside of the Christianity context, just like as a person, this is what Jesus was like kind of trying to get across. Okay. But he was talking about how like Jesus, if you look at him as like a realized being or whatever, who's like totally out of tune with his ego and fully in tune with like sort of whatever you want to call it, but like the higher thing. Uh, He's looking at everything with extreme compassion where Mm -hmm. it's like the day before he was crucified. It's like, Oh, these are the nails you're going to use sick. Like I cannot wait for you to put these nails through my hand. But like, just looking at it, be like, this is the way it has to go. Mm. Like, this is what's going to happen. I get it. I totally understand that you guys need to put me on this cross and put nails through my hands. Like, let's do it. Like, I can't wait. It's like the will of the universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Do people who ride in that wave though, wild, wild, you know, cause it's like, it's almost scary when someone's like, yeah, do it. I understand. And you're like, I'm trying to murder you. And they're like, yeah, "Yeah, it's, it's fate. It's the universe. (laughs) But that's like, it's, and it's not even almost with like that tone. It's also the tone of like excitement. It's like, yeah, let's get on with it. Like, this sounds awesome. Um, dude. Oh my God. This is why, this is why I like love Qui-Gon Jinn, dude. (laughs) Cause he's, he's about that. He knew he was going to die before he died and Mm -hmm. just let it happen. You know? Yeah. I'm not going to get on the star Wars tangent, but like he's on, he's on the same tapped in, dude. He gave up the fate. And you said out of tune with the ego. I think you almost have to be extremely in tune with your ego. The best way that I would describe it is that you're kind of living away from your first emotional reaction Mm -hmm. because that's like a strong habit that's built up is that first emotional reaction to something is to often act offended or to often act uh, judgmental. Mm -hmm. And that's the ego talking. And once you kind of build habits away from that, it might not be your first emotional reaction. Do you get what I'm getting at? Yeah. Well, you really have to be in tune with it. And and it's also said in the book too, that it's like, you need to know that you're in jail to get out of jail mm-hmm. where it's like, if you're not very aware that your ego is locking you down, like you need to know all about your ego to be able to overcome it. And you also just need to be able to, it's the observer thing. It's like your ego is never going to go away, but your conscious experience can become less and less and less attached to that ego. Yes. Yeah, so the ego is not dictating your every move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
because that's where all the value statements come from. Of mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is bad or this is good. It's like when you take a step back from your ego, you can be like, Everything's all good, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's somewhere. It's a different it's, type of good, yeah. It's just safe. You can breathe in that space a lot different than you can breathe in your ego space. It, like, removes the fear, I guess, that is associated with good and bad. Mm-hmm. Fear is yucky. Fear is kind of yucky. Yeah, fear is yuck. I miss love. Mm-hmm. It's so fun when, like, every step of your day is just full, like, overwhelmed with love. Mm-hmm. Been a long time for me. How do you define love, though? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, not romantic love, like the overwhelming sense that like, I guess it, it, it kind, it's kind of tied into the fate universe thing mm-hmm. where you're like, everything is happening as it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. It feels so good and you feel so like powerful at the same time reserved and relaxed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's hard to describe because it it's, it's describe. love in the way that you're describing is almost an experiential thing and not something that can be re- reduced down into words. I know a girl at a festival right now Knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Have you seen this? <laughs> nice. <dude. laughs> um, yeah, I feel like love takes on like a million different definitions, mm-hmm. which is maybe what is so special about it is that it's so individual yet so shared. Mm-hmm. I might even tweak it. So, because I think love is too broad for the average person. Mm. Freedom. Like walking around with pure freedom where you're mm-hmm. like, anything that happens is okay. Yeah. Because I can think about, oh, how do I sound right now? What is everyone in the room thinking about what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Versus like just truly being relaxed and being like, whatever I say is fine. Whatever I do is fine. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the way you have that freedom is making the realization that it's like the reason to love everything is that it's like, well, everything's you. Right. It's like you're the whole game. Like there's no separation between you and anything else. It's just like, oh, wow, I'm just moving through like sort of not like, I mean, in a way your own creation but it's almost, it's convoluting a little bit. But it's just like, if you're one with the universe, it's pretty easy to be like, oh, everything's kind of ripping. And it's so immediately rewarding. That's what Mm -hmm. like really gets it going is that like, if you act that way, if someone who's mean to you and you're like, it's okay, I'm giving you the space you need, you feel like, wow, I feel great. And Mm -hmm. that other person just gets way angrier. And you're like, (laughs) well, you know. (laughs) Or maybe you even help them. Maybe they don't get angry. Maybe that's what they needed. Sometimes it's what they need. And they're like, you know what? Like, thanks, I appreciate it. Like, I've had people say that. Mm. where like they cool off and they're like yeah never mind that's my bad and you're like yeah it's, it's fine there's nothing worse than like realizing how hard your ego has been driving you like in I've talked about this before with arguments when you realize you've been arguing a point that you don't even agree with mm-hmm. but you're just like I stick with my initial opinion so many times yeah. and then I only keep on defending it because I feel a bit defensive mm-hmm. just because I'm like oh someone's like attacking my ego right now so I have to like I have to like put this armor on and grab my sword and like fight to the death. And it's really intense. And then sometimes I wake up out of that. I'm like, oh my God, why am I doing this? I think all, I think people feel that at different levels. Like personally, I, I've been knocked in the dome enough where I'm like, usually if someone's putting up a fight to me, I'm like, ah, probably wrong. (laughs) (laughs) For me, I've just never felt like it's been worth my time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I probably got into those like I'm just definitely wrong from a young age. Like, I feel like my ego is very weak at a young age because I didn't have a lot for my ego to latch on to in the first place. Mm. Like there, there was never good things for my ego to be like, yeah, I'm sick. Like this is this is it. I feel like I was always willing to just let things kind of slide. And I feel like that's become pretty beneficial. 
kind of always willing to just let things slide a little bit. We're like, it's just, you do you. Like, I'm not going to, I don't agree, but I'm not going to push the issue. Mm -hmm. Having the strong ego is also pretty helpful though, because you're good at debating. Like you, you, I've been right about things before. That you, like at the end of it, I'm like, damn, I guess I'll just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to a degree, I think it's it's been it's been nice in my life. Um, but okay, where I'm gonna go back to this metaphor of the dog, dude. Mm-hmm. I love the dog because yeah. like that was that was a really crazy realization. We were in Joshua Tree, mm-hmm. Gooman, and um, we're like Kanye has just a massive gnarly dog on the leash, dude. And it's yeah. just dragging him around and that he's doing these crazy things and he's making art of it. But like he's absolutely being controlled and emotionally driven by by the dog on the leash. Yeah, I have I have I, I would say I don't have a big dog, but I have like a like a bit of a pretentious dog on the leash sometimes. You got a solid you got a dog that can that bites, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I got a biter. That's for sure. Yeah. Some like people a, got like barkers. A, you got like yours yeah. knows it can bite and it's like not going to let that slide. Mm hmm. Just for context, uh, the dog is your ego. The consciousness behind your ego is walking the dog. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully it's walking the dog. Some people are getting dragged around by the dog. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. And then in the case of Kanye, it's like he's wrestling with the dog and the bo- dog's like biting his neck. Yeah. And the transition between control of the owner and control of the dog is where his art is made and and like he only makes his dog stronger and his dog's only making him stronger they're Mm. like two like titans battling off yeah because it's so special that he can he he can at at small stages of his life take the step back and be the person walking the dog and go whoa holy shit like (laughs) look at all this stuff going on like i gotta make art about this yeah and then he lets it run again and then like that's his next art (laughs) Yeah, but for the most part, I, I not you don't want to let your dog. Well, your dog should be allowed to run freely, I guess. But mm-hmm. you, your dog shouldn't be dragging you. You know. Yeah, I feel like you just do it whatever feels right, though. It's like everybody's just on their own little journey. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Kanye probably never made the conscious choice to be like, I'm gonna take a step back from this dog and make good art. It's like that's just the path he's on. Mm-hmm. Like that's just his meaning. I will say, if I'm gonna pick an ideal, though. Letting your dog run out in front and like cheering it on is the best way to do it. Yeah. Because the dog's got to explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As long as it's like, you're, as long as, okay, I'm going to say ego now because we're just talking about dog. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. As long as your ego is like well behaved enough, you know, like if your dog's going to be off the leash, it can't be just biting people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If your ego, if you're going to kind of let your ego roll a bit, you can't just be like absolutely trampling over people with your arguments and like making them feel bad. Because that's like, I guess at that point it's dragging you, but like, mm-hmm. uh, you got it. You still have to let your ego be nice to each other. Cause it's like an extension, an extension of you is your ego and everyone else is an extension of you. So you're just letting your ego be mean to yourself. Is that the premise or I'm yeah. getting a bit lost? Well, there's one. two very separate premises. Like, so I totally understand the thing that you're talking about in terms of like, you kind of let your ego, you know, run and explore and, and guide your life. Mm-hmm. But that definitely is opposed to, like, a Buddhist perspective, which is fully, like, get rid of your ego 100%. Like, ego needs to be gone for you to get rid of all your karma and for you to sort of escape this, like, cycle that you're in. Right. Uh, but it definitely makes for, it makes for a less interesting life in the Western perception of it. Like, that's the thing with the mm-hmm. with the Buddhist mentality is, like, well, if you, if you, totally get your ego to disappear then now you're missing out on all of your life experience but their perspective is that you don't need the life experience like all the most fulfilling thing you can possibly do 
is is be outside of that space of ego. Uh, but it's hard because it's like, well, life's pretty cool. It's like you sort of want to do a lot of life. Um, but like Ramdas did life. Like he kept doing life up until he died. He was never somebody who did just sit and get rid of his ego. Mm-hmm. I also, I don't think you can completely get rid of your ego. I think it's like training a dog and you can get to sit super still. And maybe to truly break the cycle of samsara, you have to like fully obliterate that dog. Yeah. I mean, Ramdas is like, if you're going to fully rid of your ego, then you're just dead. Right. So like, he's like, he talks about like people who are meditating and basically the people who are meditating and eating like, you know, crumbs of food and like tiny sips of water and almost defying what in Western medicine should be physically possible. Like when there's just a corpse sitting on the ground that hasn't moved in two years and, and, and somehow they're still alive because their hair is still growing and their nails are still growing. Like oh that's God. somebody who's hanging on to life by just the tiniest thread of an ego. But they're pretty much live like they're most of their experience is already in the other thing, but they can't fully let go of their ego until they just die. You know what mirrors that perfectly is heroin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the closer you get to your heart completely stopping, the higher mm-hmm. you are. Mm-hmm. Well, then you die, you know, so yeah. it's like and that's truly the highest you can be. I think that's what, that's what Ruth said in Euphoria, right? Yeah, did it's you? Like right before, right before uh-huh. her heart stopped was when she felt like the most amazing experience ever. Oh yeah, well, I wonder if it is the same thing. Oh, like, yeah. is heroin just getting you closer to death and basically destroying your ego because of that? But you're really just exp- you, like, what if heroin is getting you to experience the thing, but it just happens to be extremely destructive if you plan on not dying? I think I think it is. Yeah, I think it definitely aligns you in a very specific way. In the same way that like psychedelics bring you in the other direction, like a very stimulating mm-hmm. connection with the universe is like, I feel like psychedelics are one, two, three, four, ten thousand million billion, And then the one where yeah. heroin is like, you have all these problems in your life. And then you start to drift into like, I don't know if I care about anything and then nothing. And then you're, yeah, mm-hmm. it's an interesting, it's, it's like the opposite of psychedelics, but gets you to the same place. Right. Because if you do enough a- of it. Sneaky yeah. itself, dude. Uh-huh. It's all the same thing. But psychedelics are just so much more applicable to life because heroin doesn't teach you anything. It just brings you. It's not. It's not increasing your ability to tune in to like the wavelength of the universe. It's decreasing it until you get to the point where you're like, oh well, okay, but now I am the one because there's nothing left to be but the one. We're like, yeah, what you're saying. Psychedelics do the opposite, where it's like you start putting, you start connecting so many dots that everything is making so much sense and coming into so much alignment. But at some point that just maxes out until it becomes, it's so much energy that it's just one little ball of energy. I think it's interesting how you bring up the people that are like meditating that are basically almost dead. Cause that's probably as healthy for you as heroin. Like that's Mm -hmm. not good for you to a degree. And I'm sure they're enlightened and like pretty stoked on what they're doing, but I don't, I don't view that whole philosophy as something to take a thousand percent into my life. I think there's really good nuggets, but like, like you're saying, we live, we live in the West yeah, and we have different lifestyles and everything like that. I don't think everything we do is like bad. Well, and that's what he was saying too, is because you're bringing your ego with you. If you jump into the like meditating so much that you're almost dead route mm-hmm. or it's like you, if you're, if you're jumping into that too quickly without doing all the work to get there, then your ego is just dragging you there. Like if you decide like, oh, I'm ready to be enlightened, like I'm going to stop eating, I'm going to stop eating food at all for like three weeks on end 
and just sit and do nothing and totally disregard the rest of your life that you've had going. Yeah. Like that's just your ego trying to like feel good again. It's, it's like, like when it, you work out once, you're like, dude, I'm about to get absolutely ripped, bro. Yeah. I'm going like, to eat perfect. And yeah. like, it's going to be like, it's going to happen, man. Like, yeah. It's huh, like somebody who's hanging on to their life by just a thread of ego has been doing this journey for like 40 years. Mm-hmm. And in their old age of probably like 80 to 85, they're finally are just being like, okay, now it's time. Like I, now I'm ready. I'm just going to do this. But heroin's the same thing where it's like your ego is getting you to do the heroin. So you're bringing in like a lot of bad energy with that. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it, it can be a similar thing, but it's, it's sort of about how much you're disconnecting from the ego and, and, uh, how, like not the amount of time it's taking you, but how genuine you're doing that. Like, are you genuinely doing it without ego? Is your ego pushing you to that route? Mm-hmm. Cause I think psychedelics have the same pitfall on the other end of like, it puts you in this super high state of consciousness, but if you're not ready for that, well, Beat you up mm-hmm. like and a lot. Yeah, I mean, he had a great line about his brother because so like Ramdas was doing tons of psychedelics. He was doing like twenty four hundred micrograms a day for four weeks straight at one point. So much. Yeah, <laughs> he was doing like 300, 400 micrograms like every three hours, or sorry, every four hours. Uh, but he <laughs> kept <God> clarified. <laughs> he kept coming down from that, and that's what sent him on this whole yogi journey because he's like, okay, well, I keep doing all this, all these psychedelics, and I keep coming down. And when I come down, I totally forget all this other stuff, and I just become anxious and nervous and the same neurotic self I've always been. Uh-huh. But clearly, I'm missing something fundamental. So then he kind of, that's where this whole other journey started. But his brother did the same thing, and his brother's in the mental hospital. But the distinction that he made is that his brother brought his ego with him, which caused his brother to basically have a psychotic break. And then be like, oh, I get it. I'm Jesus. Like, I'm the chosen one. I'm Jesus. And Ramdas is like, great, man. That's awesome. You're Jesus. But I'm Jesus too. And then he's like, no, 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 no. You don't get it. Like, you're not Jesus. I'm Jesus. Like, I'm the chosen. It's like, no, like, this is not how that works. And then he points out, it's like, it's funny that if you think the person that's arresting you is God, you don't get arrested. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because if he's saying like, if you're like, oh yeah, I'm Jesus, but then you also think the person that might be arresting you is Jesus too, you're probably not going to get yourself in a situation where you're going to get arrested. But when you go, Mm -hmm. I'm Jesus and you don't understand, now you get arrested. Right. Because you're fighting the grain. Yeah. Okay. And I think that almost comes back to like the dog of the ego of like, you can let it off the leash Mm -hmm. as long as that dog doesn't think it's hot shit you know Mm -hmm. and that's almost another level where it's like you gave the dog a bunch of mushrooms and now it's standing on two legs and it's walking around telling other is's that it's an (laughs) is and you're like this is not okay yeah (laughs) try to clear your karma too fast it's like you have too much karma in that lifetime you got to work through that slow and you probably got lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes left before you're ready to let it all go we do not condone giving dogs mushrooms no portobello's dude dogs are already on mushrooms yeah, that's the thing. That's why, I, yeah, well, ah, little vibe well, sensors. Well, they are vibe sensors. But what was that thing that was going around where they were like, they're already Jesus. Like, they live shorter because they're like, it's right. But I'm like, people wild. Mm, like, they're just not, they don't have an ego. So they naturally live shorter because yeah. they're like, well, it's over. We're done. It's just wild when like someone can write a couple words on a sign and be so happy. And the thing they wrote is dead on. But I'm uh-huh. like, you're not dead on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? No. I know what you're talking about. Like, live, laugh, love is dead on. Yeah, okay. But if you have that sign in your house, you're probably not living, laughing, and loving. That's true. Yeah. You're probably at Walmart doing some things. Doing some things. Because a live, laugh, love life is a bodhisattva life, which is a don't write it down. Right. 
Yeah. And that's yeah. The, Ramdas was really pushing that, I feel mm-hmm. like, of like, don't say it. Yeah. Be it. Yeah. He's all about being quiet. Mm-hmm. He's like, if you're just silent, like that's when you're really given into fate because you're not actively trying to put your ego out there to affect things. Ready for a hot take? Yeah. Tyler Durden was really on the don't tell vibes. Because he didn't, he didn't recruit anyone to Fight Club. Mm-hmm. He just started, because he was fighting himself at the beginning. Mm-hmm. He wasn't even fighting another dude. He just punched himself in the face. And everyone walked over and was like, what you up to? He was like, oh, doing stuff. You want to come? Mm-hmm. That's how he started. So mm-hmm. his lens was turned inward, you say? Oh, yeah. He takes me as someone who's very not enlightened, though. Well, I think one of the arguments is that he is an enlightened ego, much like uh, Ram Dass's brother, where it's like, you're, you're still... At the very core of it, egoed out. Yeah, you know? or or you're you're the silent one who kind of maybe not acting like you have it all together, but you're using silence and it may be like a mask. But deep mm-hmm. down, you're silent because you're insecure. Like at times when I'm silent, I it's because I I don't know what to say mm-hmm. and I feel anxious in a social scenario. And other people may read that as oh, Mateo's like kind of quiet and he doesn't need to talk a lot. But like some in my mind, I'm like, oh, what do I say? I, yeah. I don't know. Well, that's where he's like, that's all mindset though. Cause I totally agree. Cause I'm the same way. It's like mm-hmm. my quietness is never driven out of like, I'm just, I'm just disconnecting, man. I'm just letting it happen. It's like, no, I'm not, I'm not saying anything. Cause yeah, I have no idea what I'm supposed to say. Yeah. But I think what he's saying is like, that's all just a mindset. When you stop looking for something to say. Yeah. And you're just quiet. Cause you're quiet and you're just like kind of letting things happen. That's real hard to get to. That's like really, really letting go of your ego at that point. And I also find when you let go of your ego and do that, and like when you stop looking for things to say, that's when the more insightful things will come out. Mm -hmm. When you start observing and then people like, oh, that's like a, that's a smart thing to say. Just because you hadn't talked in like five minutes. And the one thing you did say was like, oh yeah, that was right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's going off of the love freedom thing I was saying. If you operate from love and free, like you just give yourself the room to be like, yeah, there's no right thing to say. Mm-hmm. And then you become a mirror and you're like, when something mm-hmm. comes up, I'll reflect it. But yeah. Until then, I'm just going to chill. Dude, and you're happy chilling. That's exactly what he said in this yeah. book too. Yeah, he brought <laughs> up a, the mirror thing. The, the, the guy that he followed to his eventual guru, who was like, this guy knows. He was like, this dude basically never said any words to me. Like he didn't care about my past. He didn't care about anything about my life. Like all the only thing he gave, basically gave him was small commands like sit here and eat this and like just like small little stuff to keep him going as they were moving. Uh, but he was like, it, he was like, it was like hanging out with myself. Like this person was just a perfect mirror back at me of whatever uh, my vibes were because he wasn't saying anything to me. So it just like left Ram Dass. Like he was the creator of the entire interactions. So this dude was just like, I'm just here. Like if you want to put vibes on me, then like I'll give it back to you. This is a hot turn that I hope may probably get uh, get removed, but hey, take the hot turn, dude. Uh-huh. Cut like, all of that, like Wally porn. Cut yeah. when I said cut, and we're back. <laughs> what were we talking about before we said cut, though? 